0: welcome to podcasts at Midchurch. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode is the sixth in a teaching series we did at Midchurch in 2014 called Raising Our Sales. Raising Our Sales is a teaching on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? In this episode, the Rev. Christopher Judelson discusses a difficult topic for some Christians, the Holy Spirit as tongues and gifts. It is our fervent prayer that this podcast will be a blessing to you.
1: Spy tapes, secrets, half-truths, smoke and mirrors. ETOLs and Kandla this and Kandla that. What is actually going on in the highest offices of government in our land? And for that matter, in the boardrooms of some of the biggest and most influential companies uh, in our country. And without transparency and full revelation and disclosure on these kinds of matters in government and business, do you know what happens? Well, the assumption then is that there is something to hide and that only a privileged few are privy to that information, that there is something controversial. And then those who try to get close to the truth are left with rumors, they're left with mysteries and unanswered questions, often embellished stories. Others, on the other hand, will choose simply not to go near anything controversial at all, preferring to live in ignorance and content that some things remain mysterious and unanswered. To use another illustration, and to bring this closer to home for many of us, it's kind of like having to deal with the issue of sex with our adolescents and our pre adolescent children. What does one do as a parent? The fact is that we are created as sexual beings, and sex is is given for procreation, and we believe as well within marriage for recreation. And with all the media around these days regarding sex and sexual innuendos, it's there and it's unavoidable. And so our children ask questions, and parents will choose a number of different tactics. Some try to avoid the subject altogether, as my parents did. Self-taught. While others, <laughs> while others, out of perhaps a bit of awkwardness or embarrassment, will speak of sex using terms and ideas that leave their children more confused and uncertain than before, believing that it is something that is only discussed in whispers behind closed doors. While some may instead choose to speak openly about it in their homes, age appropriately, uh, of course. This is the line that Karen and I have taken in our home. If our children ask questions, we answer them. And we correct them if they say or use words inappropriately. Because one thing we don't want is our children left with rumors and half-truths. And a sense that sex is something controversial and mysterious best left undiscussed. Because believe me, they discuss it. Now just bear with me for a moment. Because both the scenarios that I have outlined for you serve as very helpful illustrations for the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to be irreverent or flippant in any way. Although I must tell you that I grew up in a conservative white congregation where there was the unwritten rule that there were three things you never spoke about of in church. Politics, sex, and money. So I'm two for two already, politics and sex. So let's go three for three. God loves a cheerful giver. He asks you to give regularly. And He asks you to give a considered amount. Not a considerable amount. I mean, considerable is good. But a considered amount something that you've thought about and planned. 3 for 3 <laughs> The way adolescents perceive and learn and talk about sex is exactly how some Christians talk about the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the tongues of the Holy Spirit. Some try to ignore the subject altogether. Some claim that it is shrouded in mystery and only a select few understand it. Wait till you're older, and then we will explain. While others are left with half-truths and confused and uncertain. God is a God who reveals. What does He say at the beginning of the Bible? The first line. Let there be light. God switches the lights on in this world. He does not. He's not a god who a god who hides things. He's not a god of half truths. He's a god who reveals. If Transparency International had to have a sponsor, it would be God. So after that rather lengthy introduction. What I would like to do with you this morning is I want to read three passages of Scripture pertaining to the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of tongues and in terms of gifts. Now we are in week six of our series of Raising Our sails, in which we are asking two questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? And we've answered those questions by looking at the various images or analogies that are used in the Bible to describe the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we've looked at the Holy Spirit as wind or breath, at the Holy Spirit as the living waters of God, the Holy Spirit as fire, the Holy Spirit as the counselor or the parakletos, the one who draws alongside us. And then last week, the Holy Spirit as our seal. And because of the sealing work of the Holy Spirit, we learned that we belong to God. We are God's children. And if you are a child of someone, you inherit something. And so we are God's heirs. And as His children, we inherit salvation and eternal life. And then we were also taught that the Holy Spirit grafts us in uh, to Jesus. And the image Jesus uses is is of a vine that we graft into this vine, and then our lives bear fruit as part of this vine this fruit of Galatians 4, uh, and this fruit of the Spirit really is evidence, evidence of the Spirit of Christ in us. And basically, bearing fruit boils down to becoming more like Jesus. So today, we are going to learn of the Spirit as tongue, or interpreter, or bridge builder, who gives gifts. Let me say that again. The Spirit as tongue, or interpreter, or bridge builder, Who gives gifts? Now I really hope that as we briefly work through these uh, three passages, that the work of the Holy Spirit in this regard is going to be demystified for you. It is not meant to be difficult or confusing or only for a select few super spiritual Christians. So our first passage is Acts two, verses one to six. It's a passage that uh, we've read before in this series. Uh, It contains uh, two images of the Spirit we've spoken of before, the Holy Spirit as fire and the Holy Spirit as wind, but there is another image uh, in the passage. Uh, Rachel, if you'd put it up for us, please. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. spoken. Now, it's interesting that Luke, when he describes what happened on the day of Pentecost, that Luke doesn't simply say that there were what seemed to be flames resting on the heads of the disciples. He doesn't say that. He says there seems to have been tongues of fire resting on the heads of the disciples. Now, why would he use that phrase, tongues of fire? Well, most scholars believe the reason he uses that is because of what follows afterwards. That because of what happens afterwards, retrospectively trying to describe what happened in that day, on that day, he says, it seems to be like tongues of fire. Because what happens next? Well, what happens next is that the disciples begin to speak in tongues, in different languages. And they do so with conviction and power, with fire, when we spoke about The Holy Spirit is fire. With fire, with conviction, with understanding, with passion. And so Luke, trying to now, thinking back to that day, uh, describing what happened in that upper room with the disciples, says "It it was like the Holy Spirit came down as tongues of fire on these disciples. And they were filled with the Spirit. So the disciples were in a context where there were people of many different languages, And the Holy Spirit allowed them to be understood by the listeners because of the tongues. And so on the day of Pentecost, do you know what the Holy Spirit was doing? The Holy Spirit was acting as interpreter. That's what He was doing. He was acting as interpreter. In this case, it was using different languages. And which can still happen today, by the way. But it can also be that someone is given the unique ability to communicate cross-culturally. Because that's not always the easiest thing to do. Or someone has the gift and the ability to communicate the gospel cross-generationally. Or maybe they just are able to uh, make difficult concepts easily understood. Now, I love it when one or two of you come to me after a service and and, and say something like, sure, Chris, that thing that you explained to me, oh, it makes so much sense now, I get it. And I love that. And it's a great compliment. But it is the Holy Spirit who is acting as interpreter through me at that point or through whoever else it may be whenever you have those little penny drops. It's the Holy Spirit who is acting as interpreter, as the one who communicates uh, through others. And when that happens, he does exactly what he did on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit as tongue or as interpreter. Now, just on the matter of the gift of speaking in tongues, let us be very clear that the claim that you are only filled with the Spirit and therefore only a true Christian when you can speak in tongues is simply not true. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit, to be sure, but like any other gift, Not every Christian gets that gift. And not every Christian must speak in tongues. The gift of tongues is the Holy Spirit working as interpreter, and often in three ways. Often the gift of tongues is a prayer, a personal prayer, between the person and the Lord, and the Spirit is working as interpreter in that regard. Sometimes a person will bring tongues to a meeting like this and somebody else will interpret that, and there it is being used to interpret between one person and another. And then the third way is when it is between a person and God, but also within the context of a a community. But the gift of tongues is about interpretation. That's what the gift of tongues is all about, between God and ourselves and between ourselves and others. We're going to speak a little bit more about gifts in a moment. uh, But just on this issue of the Spirit as the one who interprets uh, and the one with the tongue, the one being who prays. Uh, we want to read Romans 8 together. So this is now the second passage, Romans 8:22 uh, to 27. Paul's writing, We all know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. I mean, we live in a fallen world. Isis in the Middle East. Poverty in our own country. Violence. Just heard this morning about somebody's company being robbed last night. The world is as if in the pains of childbirth. Before a child is born, there is the pain and the discomfort and the scream and the anguish. And so Paul is saying, that is what the world is like at the moment. We're waiting for the day when Christ will return and all will be well. But until then, it's like we're in the groans of labor. Anyway, he goes on. Not only so, but we ourselves... Who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. I mean, who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do, know, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now that's a very interesting passage for a couple of reasons. The reference is made to the Spirit in us being the first fruits. Now that ties in with last week where we read about the Spirit being a seal for us, guaranteeing that we belong to God. Now the first fruits was meant to be the sense of a deposit, guaranteeing something. So the Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing our adoption, guaranteeing our belonging to God and our salvation. And what is the effect for us? Well, the effect for us, quite simply, is that we have hope. Because the Holy Spirit is interceding all the time for us. He's praying for you right now. Right now, as you sit here, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. And not with kind of throwaway prayers, but we're told with groans. In other words, with real love, with real passion. And He is praying in us, He is praying through us, and He is praying for us. He groans. He prays continuously because He knows our weakness and our needs. And you know what that means for our prayer lives? That the Holy Spirit is interceding for us? It means that when you and I pray, whenever it is, driving in your car, maybe in the morning before you head out uh, for the other day or at night before you go to bed or during the course whenever it might be that you are praying, you and I are not beginning a conversation with God. We're joining in with the conversation and the prayer the Spirit is already having on your behalf. I mean, isn't that fantastic? Just think about that for a moment. Now, it doesn't mean that we stop praying. Oh, well, the Holy Spirit is praying for me, so I don't have to pray. But it means that when you and I are praying, we're joining in a conversation that's already happening. And that's exciting, and that's affirming, and that's comforting. So the Holy Spirit as tongues... Is the Holy Spirit who interprets, who intercedes, and who groans for us. And finally, another thing the Holy Spirit does is that He gives gifts, spiritual gifts, abilities, skills, competencies. And there are lots of texts on this subject, but the one we're going to read, and the third one for today, is 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 to 11. Now, about the gifts of the spirits, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You see, Daddy, Daddy, what does that thing mean? Wait later, boy. I want you to be informed, my boy, and I will explain this thing to you age appropriately. I want you to be informed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages, to another still the interpretation of tongues, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Amen. We pressed for time a little bit this morning, but I just want you to notice a few things. Notice the three words Paul uses to speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, and rather obviously, is the word gift. These competencies, these skills, these abilities are not mine and they are not yours. They are gifts. And therefore, I cannot brag and I cannot claim praise for them. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. The second word he uses is service when he talks about these gifts. And they are given in service of others. The third word he uses is the working or the outworking of the Spirit in terms of gifts. Now, this word working or outworking comes from the same word used in Greek for energy. So, the gifts are literally the energies of God with which He energizes us, if that makes sense. The energies of God with which He energizes us all. And for what purpose are these gifts given? Notice, the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for the common good of the body of Christ. Not for me not for my sense of self-righteousness or self-importance, but for the good of all. And what are the criteria for receiving these gifts? Must we be a Christian for so many years? Must I do this? Must I do that? Well, notice the criteria. As the Spirit determines, depending on the need of the body of Christ. I want to say that again. As the Spirit determines, according to the needs of the body of Christ. So yes, in Scripture we are encouraged to ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit decides. And the needs of the community is the agenda, by the way. The needs of the people of God is the agenda. I mean, if I'm part of a church where everyone is a hammer, for example, a little simplistic, but if I'm part of a church where everyone is a hammer, why should I be surprised if God makes me a pliers? It depends on the needs of the community with which God gives His Spirit, His gifts through His Holy Spirit. And this also means that gifts are not always given for life and forever. As the needs of the body of Christ changes, so the Spirit may bring new gifts. And He may bring new competencies to me and to you. As we grow in our faith, so do our gifts. For five years, somebody might work in a particular ministry and do a fantastic job and just one day wake up and think, I don't think this is where the Lord wants me and find themselves doing something quite, quite different, and being re-gifted, as it were, by God's Spirit. And so to reiterate, spiritual gifts are on loan, so to speak. They are not ours. They are the Holy Spirit's. Now that passage we read a moment ago had a list, and the list is not intended to be prescriptive, it is not intended to be exclusive, um, but rather an example of some of the gifts that God's Spirit gives. And there are other so-called lists in the Bible, right from the Old Testament into the New Testament, uh, and we don't have time to mention them all, but these gifts of God's Spirit range from the gifts of teaching, to leadership, to wisdom, to creativity and craftsmanship, to hospitality, to administration, to serving, to baking biscuits for Kairos prison ministry, blah, blah, blah. The, the, the list is endless. I'm almost done. And remember, when we read Matthew 7 last week, Jesus was talking about being the vine and us bearing fruit. He says, it is by their fruit that you will know them. Notice, it is not by their gifts you will know them. It is by their fruit you will know them. And the reason he says that is because the gifts of of the Holy Spirit are very practical. And they are intended to build up God's people to serve the world. Whereas the evidence of the life of the Holy Spirit in us is the fruit of the Spirit. You see, those are two very different things. And sometimes Christians mix them up. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a very pragmatic and practical thing. My people need to do certain things, and I better gift them to do them. But the evidence of the Spirit of Christ is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 4. It's been a lot to take in this morning. It'll be podcast by Tuesday, by the way. Just remember that. (laughs) But my intention has been to move the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of tongues and gifts from this mysterious, esoteric place of the unknown for many Christians to a place where we see that it is quite straightforward. The Holy Spirit acts as interpreter and intercessor and our prayers join in with His to the Father. And He gives us gifts. And these gifts are not an indication of our worthiness or our unworthiness, but rather they are the Spirit's response to the needs of God's people and the world by calling all of us, every single one of us, to serve in different ways to the glory of God. Amen.
0: Heavenly Father, we take a moment... And we consider that this prayer is brought to you by the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit prays with us and that the Holy Spirit is the one who intercedes on our behalf and who does not leave us without purpose but equips us with gifts and abilities and competencies as they are required by you for your church. And so, Lord God, I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in working in my heart and mind by bringing to you prayers and requests that I sometimes cannot articulate. And also thank you, Heavenly Father, that in equipping us as believers in Jesus, you invite us to partner with you, that our lives become tools in your hand to build up the body of Christ for the benefit of the world, for the proclamation of the gospel, And that every single one of us, all of us, are called to play a very important part in your work. Lord, I know that many of us struggle to know what exactly our our particular gifting uh, might be. And I pray that we will seek for clarity on that matter. That we will perhaps uh, just begin to serve where we can and trust that the Spirit will reveal to us where we are able to be used by you for the good of others. I thank you, Lord, for those um, people in the church family who are blessed with wisdom and insight, who are often able to help other believers identify what their gifts are. But, Lord, perhaps what is required at the start of everything is an openness and openness in heart and mind to the work of your Holy Spirit in equipping each of us to be of use in your kingdom. So Lord, perhaps that's the prayer that we should all be praying, that we will be open, receptive to your presence through your Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, you will come and make your home in each of our hearts, And that you will use us as you see fit to build up the body of Christ so that the kingdom of God can be proclaimed in word and deed to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.